0: book 2 chapter 3 part 1 of the circular study this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the circular study by anna katherine green chapter 3 eva part 1 Felix had not inherited his father's incapacity for making money. In the twenty years that had passed since Thomas had been abroad, he had built up a fortune, which he could not induce his father to share, but which that father was perfectly willing to see devoted to their mutual revenge. There was meaning, therefore, in the injunction Felix gave his brother on his departure for Montgomery. "'I have money. Spend it. Spend what you will.' and when your task is completed, there will still be some left for your amusement. Thomas bowed. The laborer is worthy of his hire, was his thought. And you, he asked, looking about at the scanty walls, which seemed to have lost their very excuse for being now that his father had died. Will you remain here? Felix's answer was abrupt, but positive. No, I go to New York to-morrow.' "'I have rented a house there which you may one day wish to share. "'The name under which I have leased it is Adams, Felix Adams. "'As such you will address me. "'Cadwallader is a name that must not leave your lips in Montgomery, "'nor must you forget that my person is known there. "'Otherwise we might not have been dependent on you for the success of our revenge.' "'And he smiled, fully conscious of being the handsomer man of the two and now how about those introductions we enjoined you to bring from paris the history of the next few weeks can best be understood by reading certain letters sent by thomas to felix by examining a diary drawn up by the same writer for his own relief and satisfaction the letters will be found on the left and the diary on the right of the double columns hereby submitted the former are a summary of facts the latter is a summary of feelings. Both are necessary to a right comprehension of the situation. FIRST LETTER Dear Felix, I am here. I have seen her. She is, as you have said, a pale blonde. To-morrow I present my credentials to John Poindexter. From what I have already experienced, I anticipate a favorable reception. Yours affectionately, Thomas. FIRST ENTRY I could not write Felix the true story of this day. Why? And why must I write it here? To turn my mind from dwelling on it? Perhaps I do not seem to understand my own feelings, or why I begin to dread my task, while ardently pressing forward to accomplish it. I have seen her. This much I wrote to Felix, but I did not say where our meeting took place, or how. How could I, Would he understand how one of Poindexter's blood could be employed in a gracious act, or how I, filled with a purpose that has made my heart dark as hell ever since I embraced it, could find that heart swell and that purpose sink at my first glimpse of the face whose beauty I have sworn to devote to agony and tears? Surely, surely Felix would have been stronger, and yet, i went from the cars to the cemetery before entering the town or seeing to my own comfort i sought evelyn's grave there to renew my oath in the place where nineteen years ago my father held me up a four-year-old child in threat toward john poindexter's home i had succeeded in finding the old and neglected stone which marked her resting-place and was bending in the sunset light to examine it when the rustle of a woman's skirts attracted my attention and i perceived advancing toward me a young girl in a nimbus of rosy light which seemed to lift her from the ground and give to her delicate figure and strangely illumined head an ethereal aspect which her pure features and tender bearing did not belie. In her arms she carried a huge cluster of snow-white lilies, and when I observed that her eyes were directed not on me, but on the grave beside which I stood, I moved aside into the shadow of some bushes, and watched her while she strewed these flowers, emblems of innocence, over the grave I had just left. What did it mean, and who was this young girl who honored with such gracious memorials the grave of my long-buried sister? As she rose from her task I could no longer restrain either my emotion or the curiosity with which her act had inspired me. Advancing, I greeted her with all the respect her appearance called for, and noting that her face was even more beautiful when lifted in speech than when bent in gravity over her flowers, I asked her, in the indifferent tone of a stranger, who was buried in this spot, and why she, a mere girl, dropped flowers upon a grave the mosses of whose stone proved it to have been dug long before she was born her answer caused me a shock full as my life has lately been of startling experiences i strew flowers here said she because the girl who lies buried under this stone had the same birthday as myself i never saw her it's true but she died in my father's house when she was no older than i am to-day and since i have become a woman and realize what loss there is in dying young I have made it a custom to share with her my birthday flowers she was a lily they say in appearance and character and so i bring her lilies it was eva poindexter the girl i and she was strewing flowers on evelyn's grave letter two dear felix i have touched the hand of john poindexter in order to win a place in the good graces of the daughter i must please the father or at least attract his favorable notice. I have reason to think I have done this. Very truly, Thomas. Entry 2 I no longer feel myself a true man. John Poindexter is cold in appearance, hard in manner, and inflexible in opinion, but he does not inspire the abhorrence I anticipated, nor awaken in me the one thought due to the memory of my sister. Is it because he is Eva's father? Has the loveliness of the daughter cast a halo about the parent? If so, Felix has a right to execrate me, and my father to— Letter 3. Dear Felix, the introductions furnished me have made me received everywhere. There is considerable wealth here and many fine houses consequently i find myself in congenial society of which she is the star did i say that he was as of old the chief man of the town yours truly thomas entry three she is beautiful she has the daintiness of the lily and the flush of the rose but it is not her beauty that moves me it is the strange sweetness of her nature which nevertheless has no weakness in it. On the contrary, it possesses peculiar strength, which becomes instantly apparent at the call of duty. Could Felix have imagined such a poindexter? I cannot contemplate such loveliness and associate it with the execrable sin which calls down vengeance upon this house. I cannot even dwell upon my past life. All that is dark, threatening secret and revengeful slips from me under her eye and i dream of what is pure true satisfying and ennobling and this by the influence of her smile rather than of her words have i been given an angel to degrade or am i so blind as to behold a saint where others felix let us say would see only a pretty woman with unexpected attractions Letter 4. Dear Felix. Rides, dances, games, nonsense generally. My interest in this young girl is beginning to be publicly recognized. She alone seems ignorant of it. I wonder if our scheme will fail through her impassibility and more than conventional innocence. I am sometimes afraid she will never love me. Yet I have exerted myself to please her indeed i could not have exerted myself more to-day i went twenty-five miles on horseback to procure her a trifle she fancied yours affectionately thomas entry four all will not go as easily as felix imagines eva poindexter may be a country girl but she has her standards too and mere grace and attainment are not sufficient to win her have i the other qualities she demands that remains to be seen i have one she never dreams of will its shadow so overwhelm the rest that her naturally pure spirit will shrink from me just at the moment when i think her mine i cannot tell and the doubt creates a hell within me something deeper stronger more imperious than my revenge makes the winning of this girl's heart a necessity to me i have forgotten my purpose in this desire i have forgotten everything except that she is the one woman of my life and that i can never rest till her heart is wholly mine good god have i become a slave where i hoped to be master have i thomas cadwallader given my soul into the keeping of this innocent girl i do not even stop to inquire to win her that is all for which i now live letter five, dear felix she may not care for me, but she is interested in no one else. Of this I am assured by John Poindexter, who seems very desirous of aiding me in my attempt to win his daughter's heart. Hard one, close bound. If she ever comes to love me, it will be with the force of a very strong nature. The pale blonde has a heart. Yours affectionately, Thomas. Entry 5 If it were passion only that I feel, I might have some hope of restraining it, but it is something more, something deeper, something which constrains me to look with her eyes, hear with her ears, and throb with her heart. My soul, rather than my senses, is enthralled. I want to win her, not for my own satisfaction, but to make her happy. I want to prove to her that goodness exists in this world— I, who came here to corrode and destroy, I, who am still pledged to do so. Ah, Felix, Felix, you should have chosen an older man for your purpose, or remembered that he who could be influenced as I was by family affections, possesses a heart too soft for such infamy. Entry 6. The name of Evelyn is never mentioned in this house. SOMETIMES I THINK THAT HE HAS FORGOTTEN HER, AND FIND IN THIS THOUGHT THE ONE REMAINING SPUR TO MY REVENGE. FORGOTTEN HER! STRANGE THAT HIS CHILD, BORN LONG AFTER HIS VICTIM'S DEATH, SHOULD REMEMBER THIS POOR GIRL, AND HE FORGET. YET ON THE DAUGHTER THE BLOW IS PLANNED TO FALL, IF IT DOES FALL. SHOULD I NOT PRAY THAT IT NEVER MAY, THAT SHE SHOULD LOATHE INSTEAD OF LOVE ME? "'Distrust instead of confide in my honor and affection? "'But who can pray against himself? "'Eva Poindexter must love me, "'even if I am driven to self-destruction by my own remorse "'after she has confided her heart to my keeping.'" Letter 6. "'Dear Felix, will you send me a few exquisite articles from Tiffany's? "'I see that her father expects me to give her presents. "'I think she will accept them.' if she does we may both rest easy as to the state of her affections very truly thomas entry seven i cannot bring myself to pass a whole day away from her side if felix were here and could witness my assiduity he would commend me in his cold and inflexible heart for the singleness with which i pursue my purpose he would say to me in the language of one of his letters you are not disappointing us us as if our father still hovered near sharing our purposes and hope alas if he does he must penetrate more deeply than felix into the heart of this matter must see that with every day's advantage and now i think each day brings its advantage i shrink further and further from the end they planned for me THE END WHICH CAN ALONE JUSTIFY MY ADVANCE IN HER AFFECTIONS. I AM A TRAITOR TO MY OATH, FOR NOW I KNOW I SHALL NEVER DISAPPOINT EVA'S FAITH IN ME. I COULD NOT. RATHER WOULD I MEET MY FATHER'S ACCUSING EYES ON THE VERGE OF THAT STRANGE WORLD TO WHICH HE HAS GONE, OR FELIX'S RECRIMINATIONS HERE, OR MY OWN CONTEMPT FOR THE WEAKNESS WHICH HAS MADE IT POSSIBLE FOR ME TO DRAW BACK FROM THE BRINK OF THIS WICKED REVENGE TO WHICH I HAVE DEVOTED MYSELF letter seven dear felix this morning i passed under the window you have described to me as evelyn's i did it with a purpose i wanted to test my own emotions and to see how much feeling it would arouse in me enough eva accepted the brooch it was the simplest thing you sent affectionately thomas entry eight I hate John Poindexter. Yes, I hate him, but I can never hate his daughter. Only Felix could so confound the father with the child as to visit his anger upon this gentle embodiment of all that is gracious, all that is trustworthy, all that is fascinating in woman. But am I called upon to hate her? Am I not in a way required to love her? I will ask Felix. No, I cannot ask Felix he would never comprehend her charm or its influence over me he would have doubts and come at once to montgomery good god am i proving such a traitor to my own flesh and blood that i cannot bear to think of felix contemplating even in secret the unsuspicious form of his enemy's daughter letter eight dear felix a picnic on the mountains it fell to me to escort miss poindexter down a dangerous slope though no words of affection passed between us she is not yet ready for them i feel that i have made a decided advance in her good graces yours thomas entry nine i have touched her hand i have felt her sweet form thrilling against mine as we descended the mountain ledges together no man was near no i there were moments in which we were as much alone in the wide paradise of these wooded slopes as if the world held no other breathing soul yet i no more dared to press her hand or pour forth the mad worship of my heart into her innocent ears than if the eyes of all paris had been upon us how i love her "'How far off and faint seem the years of that dead crime "'my brother would invoke for the punishment of this sweet soul! "'Yes, and how remote that awful hour "'in which I knelt beneath the hand of my dying father and swore, "'Ah, that oath, that oath!' Entry 10 The thing I dreaded, the thing I might have foreseen, has occurred. "'Felix has made his appearance in Montgomery.' I received a communication to that effect from him to-day, a communication in which he commands me to meet him to-night at Evelyn's grave at the witching hour of twelve. I do not enjoy the summons. I have a dread of Felix, and begin to think he calculates upon stage devices to control me. But the day is past for that. I will show him that I can be no more influenced in that place and at that hour than I could be in this hotel room with a sight of her little glove. Is there sin in such thefts, lying on the table before us? Evelyn, she is a sacred memory, but the dead must not interfere with the living. Eva shall never be sacrificed to Evelyn's manes, not if John Poindexter lives out his life to his last hour in peace, not if Felix—well, I need to play the man— Felix is a formidable antagonist to meet alone in a spot of such rancorous memories at an hour when spirits, if there be spirits, haunt the precincts of the tomb. Entry 11. I should not have known Felix had I met him in the street. How much of a stranger he appeared then in the faint moonlight which poured upon that shaded spot. His very voice seemed altered. AND IN HIS MANNER I REMARKED A HESITATION I HAD NOT SUPPOSED HIM CAPABLE OF SHOWING UNDER ANY CIRCUMSTANCES. NOR WERE HIS WORDS SUCH AS I EXPECTED. THE QUESTIONS I DREADED MOST HE DID NOT ASK, THE RECRIMINATIONS I LOOKED FOR HE DID NOT UTTER. HE ONLY TOLD ME COLDLY THAT MY COURTSHIP MUST BE SHORTENED, THAT THE END FOR WHICH WE WERE BOTH PREPARED MUST BE HASTENED, AND GAVE ME TWO WEEKS IN WHICH TO BRING MATTERS TO A CLIMAX. Then he turned to Evelyn's grave, and, bending down, tried to read her name on the mossy stone. He was so long in doing this that I leaned down beside him and laid my hand on his shoulder. He was trembling, and his body was as cold as the stone he threw himself against. Was it the memory of her whom that stone covered which had aroused this emotion? If so it was but natural— To all appearance he has never in all his life loved any one as he did this unhappy sister, and struck with a respect for the grief which has outlived many a man's lifetime, I was shrinking back, when he caught my hand, and with a convulsive strain contrasting strongly with his tone, which was strangely measured, he cried, Do not forget the end! Do not forget John Poindexter, his sin, his indifference to my father's grief! the accumulated sufferings of years which made Amos Cadwallader a hermit amongst men. I have seen the girl. She has changed. Women do change at her age. And some men, I do not say you, but some men might think her beautiful. But beauty, if she has it, must not blind your eyes, which are fixed upon another goal. Overlook it, overlook her. You have done so, have you not? pale beauties cannot move one who has sat at the feet of the most dazzling of parisian women keep your eyes on john poindexter the debt he owes us and the suffering we have promised him that she is sweet gentle different from all we have thought her only makes the chances of reaching his heart the greater the worthier she may be of affections not indigenous to that hard soul, the surer will be our grip upon his nature, and the heavier his downfall. The old spell was upon me. I could neither answer nor assert myself. Letting go my hand, he rose, and with his back to the village, I noticed he had not turned his face to it since coming to this spot. He said, "'I shall return to New York to-morrow.' "'In two weeks you will telegraph your readiness to take up your abode with me. "'I have a home that will satisfy you, and it will soon be all your own.' "'Here he gripped his heart, and dark as it was I detected a strange convulsion "'cross his features as he turned into the moonlight, but it was gone before we could descend. "'You may hear from me again,' he remarked somewhat faintly as he grasped my hand "'and turned away in his own direction.' I had not spoken a word during the whole interview. End of book two, chapter three, part one.